Hey guys, this episode I have my friend Ashley Chastain, and if you guys are a, a listener of the podcast, you you might feel like that name is familiar, and it's because it is. Matt Chastain was my first guest, he's my best friend, and this time I had his wife on, and uh, we went a little different direction um, this time for this episode. You know, obviously a lot of what I talk about is around sports and fitness and life, Um Ashley did play field hockey. We talk about that. But what was important for me and, and what I wanted to get out there was her story and her passion around the work that she does. So you're going to learn about her company, Complete ABA, why she does it, why autism is important to her and the desire to always help and, um, you know, help these kiddos, as she calls them, you know, and the families um, in the behavioral uh applications that she applies and and her company applies and I thought it was really again important for you guys to hear this type of story because she is somebody that and you'll hear me say multiple times in the episode she is somebody that truly has a job that she loves and doesn't do it just because of it's the job that she has it's the job that she loves and and will always do it and she says she doesn't see herself doing anything else ever so um you can draw a lot of inspiration from her. It's a great conversation, good story, and uh, she's just a very genuine person. I think you'll enjoy it. Get me up on Instagram, DM me, send me a comment on my posts. It's where I'm most active. It's the best way for you guys to get in touch with me, especially for this podcast. Uh, take a screenshot, sh- share it on your stories. Let me know you're listening. I appreciate all the support, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thanks. Welcome to Two Cents Worth. I'm your host, Ryan Faber. I have Miss Ashley Chastain here. Mrs. Ashley Chastain. That's right. Matt Chastain's wife. Matt was my first guest. Um, we are bringing her in to give a different perspective. We're going to talk sports and fitness a little bit, but we're going to talk more around uh, a lifelong passion. I don't know if it's lifelong, but it's a passion now. I don't know if we could say lifelong. Um, Ashley is the owner of Complete ABA. And for those that don't know what ABA stands for, I would like for you to tell them. That's where I come in. Yes. (laughs) So ABA is, um, it stands for Applied Behavior Analysis. And so this is um, essentially the science of behavior. So what it looks at is what do we want to see more of? um, And then how do we make sure that continues to occur? What do we want to see less of? And how do we remove um, things in the environment that are leading to the occurrence of that behavior so for who right so it's it's literally the i mean it's it's behavior so it's why do you get up and go to work in the morning to earn a paycheck because that's going to maintain that behavior so what we do is um aba or applied behavior analysis um back in the 80s started to be used for treatment of children um, and adults adolescents anyone with autism um and what studies showed over years and years and years is that it was incredibly effective um in remediating a lot of the deficits, um, those core deficits that kiddos with autism have. And so um, it's used with children, adolescents, adults, and it's just something that it's really kind of like the gold standard for autism-specific therapy and with other different therapies, speech, OT, PT, all those different things. It's it's 
pretty cool. It is it only for autism? Benefits. No, it's not. We, I mean, in my business specifically, we work primarily with individuals with autism, but okay. it is, it, I mean, it can be used, um, a lot of it is organizational behavioral management as well. So it's used in a lot of companies, um, which is which is very cool. Um, I think in general, when you hear ABA, typically people think, oh, that's... That's why I asked yeah, that Yeah, question. that's treatment for, for you know people with autism. But, um, but it is not just for individuals with autism. And a lot of the studies don't even revolve around kids with autism, but there's obviously a portion that do, which is where our field comes from. Okay, good. So for those of you that didn't know, now you know, or you had that misconception that you think ABA is only for autism, which is why I wanted to ask that question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is a misconception. And it's also one that people think, like you said, ABA is only for kids with autism. But really, it's behavior analysis is nothing more than why do people and animals and everything act the way that they do? Why do behaviors continue to occur? Mm -hmm. So okay, cool. All right. So we're going to get back to what I call your passion and not your job. Um, and we'll get into that, but I want to first say or ask. I mentioned it. You're the wife of my best friend. Yeah. Um, also, my podcast assistant, Matt. <laughs> beer fetcher extraordinaire. My beer, my beer fetcher. <laughs> Sitting to my right, not fetching me a beer. <laughs> uh, you didn't want one. We asked you if you wanted a beer. You didn't want one. I might change my mind in a minute. Yeah, if you're if you're nervous and you don't like the way your voice sounds, just remember. Yeah. I, I told a friend of mine that's going to come on this as well. Uh, your voice is how everybody else hears you. I'm so sorry. So just remember that. Like one, <laughs> the one person, Paul, was like, I'm going to sound so stupid. I'm like, don't worry, buddy. You've sounded stupid to us for yeah, years. Yeah, for 25 years. <laughs> yeah, so don't worry about that. Um, just kidding, Paul. So outside of being Matt's wife, I want to know, and the people want to know, and, and outside of owning this company, which we're going to get to, who is Ashley Chastain? Dun, dun, dun. Um, well, so I'm a little bit of a unicorn. I'm a native Charlottean. So I was born and raised here. Was Which is rare. If yes. you don't know Charlotte, nobody is really ever from Charlotte. Except for me. <laughs> We've all, we all moved to Charlotte. Okay. Right. Except for you. Yeah. Um, so I was born in Charlotte, um, went to Providence Day K-12, um, which, you know, at the time was a super small, um, Private school here in Charlotte, um, arrival of Charlotte Christian, which obviously there's. I know you're one of the listening. rare people that come on that aren't doesn't have Charlotte Christian ties. <laughs> nope, I got PD ties. Yeah. So right, I, I married. Yeah, but you didn't Christian. go to Charlotte Christian. No, I went to Providence Day. Um, played so I I swam. Um, you know, more or less. I mean, kind of my whole life, not super competitively, but you know, summer swim league, swam for school. And then basically in middle school, I think I tried out for like every team and didn't make any of them. And then and then one day someone said, well, we're going to start a field hockey team. And I thought, oh, great. No tryouts. I think I'll do that. And so um, a group of us, a group of my friends and I um, that I'm still great friends with today started playing field hockey in seventh grade at PD when the sport initially started and played all the way through. So we were like the first group that started at the youngest age and that graduated. So we were part of that first team, which was really cool and a really unique experience. Um, didn't play in college. Went to, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. Well, and I mean, field hockey isn't super common here in the southern part of the it, U.S. It's very popular in the Northeast. So Correct. my cousin played it at... Um, Holy Cross in Massachusetts. Yeah. So she played field hockey up there. But yeah, it's very popular in the Northeast, not so much down here. So no. when you said that, that you played field hockey in high school, 
who'd you play against? Because I don't know any other schools that have field hockey. Right. So 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 now it's actually incredibly popular here in Charlotte. Now there's the Charlotte because a lot of people moving down from the north bring it. Just like lacrosse. Lacrosse wasn't that popular years ago. Right now it's huge. Well, and what's really cool is that so my coach that I played under um, at. Providence Day and then after college went back and I coached with her um she started the rec field hockey league here in Charlotte the Charlotte I think it's the ambush um uh assistant can you look that up please (laughs) is it the ambush Matt look up what the name of the league I think it's the Charlotte ambush I want to say it's the ambush too I think I've seen stickers for it yeah so she started that which I think is really cool so it's much more popular now um but at the time we played against it was Providence Day Charlotte Latin and Country Day they were the only teams in Charlotte that had field hockey um there was like Christ School I think up in Asheville area it is a Charlotte ambush ambush. thanks honey um so shout out to to them um but yeah, there were literally like eight teams in the entire state that we played against that had field hockey. Um, Charlotte Christian still does not have field hockey. No, but we now don't be- in- at Charlotte Christian, we do not believe in field hockey, apparently. <laughs> apparently not. But <laughs> Covenant Day has a field hockey team. Um, a lot of the public schools here in Charlotte have them now. Myers yeah. Park. Um, I think I know a few other a few other ones that are that are quite good too. So um, yeah, but it's it's cool because in general here it's a sport that's primarily played by women which which is not the case worldwide but but no it, in the olympics there's men's field hockey, oh yeah which is it's pretty awesome mind-boggling yeah. because again like you said in the u.s it's a woman's sport right it's not there's men i don't know if there's men there's probably men's leagues but i don't i don't yeah i've seen it um so yeah but so that was that was cool but yeah in college i mean number one i i do not think by any means i was good enough to play in college but it just would have changed like i wouldn't i was looking at just to go to school like Clemson or Virginia Tech or Elon. Big and, schools. Yeah, none of those had field hockey teams. So that wasn't in the cards for me. But um went to Elon, met my husband. Your, your now husband. Your best friend. Yep. Um and I guess yeah, we started dating uh February or like yeah, January. Thanks, honey. January of my freshman year. And so then I got to kind of live vicariously through his baseball mm-hmm. career and all that fun stuff been married 10 years we have we celebrated 10 years back in july um we were a year right behind you guys and yep. um yeah live over in matthews um have two beautiful children and a golden retriever and yeah that's it yep that's it. owner of a business that's okay us. so yeah. that's who ashley is native charlatan field hockey married wife mother to business owner what do you do to get some sanity away from all of that because just knowing as myself as a this is why I do the podcast right it's yeah. like my way of having a creative outlet what yeah. do you do to stay sane it's a good question maybe some people would argue that I don't do enough to stay sane but um so maybe there's this is a time for yeah, self-reflection maybe it is a little self-reflection so you know before kids I mean it was super easy to have time to do all sorts of other things. Um, I did a few triathlons a while ago and that was just something that to challenge myself because I do like being challenged. Um, but then I had kids and then yeah. it was really difficult to spend time on myself. And then um, my wonderful business partner and I decided to open up this new business. And so um, she is incredibly active. And so I attribute a lot of kind of my drive to seeing how centered she keeps herself with her focus. And so that's something that I've tried all this year just made the commitment that I was going to get back to myself and so I've been um much more active ran a few races um 
then I, for the first time in a while, then I tripped and fell in a hole, <laughs> sprained my ankle and had to not run as much anymore. And running's fell. dangerous. People. Yeah, it is. I mean, when you're walking to the greenway for your run is, is typically the most dangerous spot. So wow. heads up there. Um, but then I, <laughs> then I fell into um, burn boot camp, which has been wonderful and something that I've been really involved in just very, just recently, but um, is a really great outlet and something that I enjoy so much so that I get up like early, like you do some mornings. How yeah. early? 5 a.m. Yeah, I get up at 4. I know. You beat me every time with everything, but I'm a close <laughs> second. <laughs> All right. So so you, you incorporate fitness. Things yeah. to challenge you still. That's what keeps you going. You read, right? Yeah, I do. Well, and I, I mean. What, what kind of books are you into right now? Oh, well, I mean, I unfortunately haven't read in quite some time, but over the summer I was doing pretty well. Um, You know, those like. Women in Cabin 10, like all of those kind what's, of... What's a book that's inspired you? Let's uh, I'll ask you that question. Um, book that's inspired me, I, I read in college, The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. Um, it's about an individual with autism um, okay. and written from their point of view. So that was really the first thing that kind of clued me into, it, not that we can ever understand or be in that position, but when you read that book from that point of view and you think like, this is what, you know, this particular individual how they how they think and how their mind processes it was actually turned into a play which i saw recently and i think the play turned a lot of people off because of how loud and the lights and everything and the whole time i was like this is amazing because yeah. it it just really i think inspired me kind of like what your original question was and how um individuals on the spectrum may think and process information so that book was one that i read a while ago and it's 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 pretty awesome if anyone wants to read it so again, I think uh, for for me, and we talk, we're going to get into it, but um, where we draw inspirations, I talked about it in my weekend review on um, the 30th of November is, for me, it was like Kitchen Confidential by Anthony Bourdain was very mm-hmm. inspiring to me. So things outside of um, your everyday can inspire yeah. you, a book you read, a person, whatnot. So for you, again, it goes back... Mine was for him, it was cooking. Like that inspired me to want to cook more and stuff like that. But for you, it goes back to what you do for a living. Right. And that's a, that's where you drew, draw inspiration from. So that's cool. Um, we touched on it quickly, how you were married, you're married, we're married, you're married. (laughs) Um, you're a mother of two dog business owner. So outside of just the obvious of being married and, and all of those things, um, for those of you that that listen that are listening that are <clears throat> that are married in long term relationship have kids that type of stuff, I think it's especially on this one we're going to talk about a lot about stuff in life. Um, how has marriage changed who Ashley was ten years ago? A lot, I think. <laughs> um, it I think it, it's hard to deny when you've been married for. I, I mean, I think a chunk of time and had children and seen and I think it's unique for Matt and I specifically because we did like we dated in college where we were just the young crazy college kids and then we transitioned to this now we're engaged and we're newly married but we were so young that it was like we were still just these young college kids um I think it's pretty undeniable to say that you don't change I mean it's it I think who I was you know in college and years ago is obviously you you learn to reflect a lot more and maybe that's something I wasn't good at previously but I think Mm -hmm. you know because you you do like you have a lot of of people um 
I don't want to use the word that you have to please, but you know, you just, you're, you're spread in a lot of different directions. And so you learn to figure out, well, how do I devote time to all these different areas in a way that I'm serving everyone and myself well? Um, so I think that's something that I've probably learned or been able to do you have do different motivators? Yeah. Like what, what drives you now that didn't drive you before you were married? Um, that's a really good question. I think, I mean, I think you want to do, as my husband's waving up. No, he wants, he wants a flag yeah, being he thrown wants a flag for the football thrown. game we're watching. Um, what drives me, I mean, I think, I think you, you want to At first to do, I thought yeah. he was waving a fart away. And I was like, <laughs> what, what are you, are you doing, doing, dude? Damn, man. <laughs> I'm trying to actually answer this question. Um, I don't know what drives me now. I mean, I think, I think I probably, I think what used to drive me were probably very self-centered things, you know, because before you're married, like you're, it's just yourself you have to worry about. And even though you want to serve different causes and I was involved with, I mean, I was an education major, so I taught yeah. from, you know, the get go. Um, you know, I loved working with underprivileged populations, but again, that's all very self-serving because you're doing those things solely to make yourself feel better. Feel, feel better. Yeah. yeah. Um, at least maybe that's what it was for me. Maybe I can't speak for everyone, but so I think now you, you don't need to speak for everyone. I yeah. want you to speak for you. Yeah. So I think that's probably what it was. Um, and obviously I liked the work that I was doing and I liked thinking, you know, I liked helping others, but yeah. I think at the time it was self-serving and then you, you have kids and you get married and it's, it is totally not about just you anymore. So I think that's what drives me. Cause I want to make sure that I'm, um, giving what I need to, to all the different parts of my life and doing it well and then reflecting on you know that balance which balance is a tricky thing so that that and it it, balance is a tricky thing especially when you have kids because yeah their schedule is not what you need for your schedule and so you have to balance that out very well uh, which is a tough thing um we're going to get into your your job and your passion and how you got into it and what led you to it but it's talking about marriage and uh, who you are and growing up, I'm going to ask you another tough question. That, okay. And I think it's a good one. I want to know what's the one thing your mom or dad taught you that has completely changed your life. Yeah. So my parents and I are very close. Um, we, they still live in Charlotte. Um, my mom cares for our children, um, when they're not in school. So to say that our families are close is an understatement, but we also say that we put the fun back in dysfunctional cause our family's just a little nuts. Um, my parents, I think there's two things. I think specifically for my mom, um, definitely taught me that you have to work hard at everything you do and that others may not always notice that. And that is okay. You don't work hard so that others can notice you work hard at things because that's either the right thing to do or it's what's best for the other person. So it's best for yourself. But it's not always about you know, the bottom dollar that you earn on a paycheck. It's how you make others feel, which directly ties into what my dad taught me in He's the king of like these random quotes. And mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of them uh, are, are funny. And But then he always tells me and, and my brother that um, it's not about what you do. It's how you make others feel. And so I think that's something that probably does transcend into my my work and, and whatnot. But I do think that how you make others feel, I do think that matters. And you know this, you've known me for forever, that I think I think the way that that we act, I don't think we need to tiptoe or walk on eggshells, but I do think that our actions and our words matter. And I think they should matter in a way um, that leave a lasting impact or that leave, you know, a, a footprint for someone else to follow. So, so, I, so I think that's, I think that's great. Like, <clears throat> especially in the, what your mom taught you. So I tell my team all the time that works for me, hard work doesn't go unnoticed. Right. 
work hard. I had Steve on here um, on the last podcast, and he talked about you know why he wanted to work and, and do this, and he was working from seven to ten, and right. what drives him, and it was it was you know he might not it, he, in his eyes he wasn't great at what he was doing, but he was working hard, and it hard work does not go un, unnoticed. Right, it may um, take people longer. It might take people longer, no, yeah. right? But right. It, it, to notice it, but it does not go unnoticed. You right. don't always have to be out there talking about how hard you work. Exactly. Because it's those people that yes. are still driving themselves from a very selfish perspective of, right. you know, but so that's a good, that's a great yep. life lesson. And obviously you, you implement that into your life because you just talked about also, it doesn't matter what the paycheck looks like and whatnot. Right. I would say for you, you are basically the one person I know that would do their job if it paid them nothing. I might. <laughs> where, the, where the rest of us, we have jobs that we we like tolerate right. whatever it might be but you are the one person that i could literally say we're going to shut the money off and you would still want to do it somehow yeah i right? would yep so let's get into that because i think it's important and it's going to be a big part of what we're going to talk about today um like i said early mentioned it earlier you live the the saying of find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life yep that's that is Ashley Chastain, I think, to a T. So, why is that? Why are you so passionate about what you do? Like wh- you mentioned, the book that inspired you that you read, yeah. but like, what led you down the path of wanting to do this? You were a school teacher, yep, but you also did all this additional education, got your master's, your doctorate, all this not stuff. Doctorate. No doctorate. I'm not cl- no, my master's. I, I master's. have two different masters, but no, okay, I will sorry. not claim the PhD. <laughs> all right, so two different masters, um, yep. but still. Um, so why ABA? Why autism? Yeah. Why not something else? Why not just be a regular teacher? Right. Well, and and I mean, let me first start off by saying that I say so my my undergrad was in special and elementary education. So I had two parts to that. Um, when I went into teaching, I taught in the general education classroom, meaning that I taught first grade for a year, I taught fourth grade for two years, you know, in a in a neurotypical class, just a fourth grade, first grade class. Mm-hmm. Um, I left teaching, again, probably for <laughs> some some selfish reasons that I felt like in the position that I was in, I couldn't, I couldn't really teach. I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Um, and so when I left it, I mean, I, teachers have my utmost respect. I mean, I, I cannot say enough how valuable teachers are. And I think that I mean, there's times where I think, man, like maybe I should have hung in there just because I think the world is always going to need, you know, teachers and and and, um, and teachers that love what they do. And I did love teaching. Um, but I wanted to get at the time that I left teaching, I wanted to get more into this field, the field of special education. I wanted to work. I wanted to actually be the the resource teacher or the exceptional children's teacher for our school. And that's when the school system I worked in put a hiring freezes. It was the peak of the, or right when the recession started. So I couldn't move. And I just said, forget it. I'm going to look at something else. And I um, just saw a a post from a friend that I went to high school with and actually went to college with her. And she said, hey, my company's hiring if you want to do early intervention for, you know, kiddos on the autism spectrum. And I thought, oh, sounds like fun. Like, I don't really know much about this. I don't, I don't know what it is, but Mm -hmm. all right. Um, And the job was going to lead me to travel to Fayetteville. Um, Every Weekly. day, every day, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 
So, and for those of you that don't know, Fayetteville is a two and a half hour drive from here. Yep, on a good day. Yep, on a good day, and it's it's a smaller city, mm-hmm. and it has it's an uh, honor army base, which is it's an honor army base, very which cool is um, Fort Bragg. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yep. And, so then go Pope, ahead. and then Pope Air Force Base is back there also. Yep. Um, so. I was always one of those that I thought the world of autism, it, the world of autism intrigued me. I was by no means an expert. I, I had worked with kids in my class when I taught that had autism, but that was a world that I really knew very little about. Um, but I thought it was interesting. And I always thought it was really cool. There was a girl that I went to college with. Um, it, we were in all of our special ed classes, our special education classes together. And her brother was on the spectrum. And I just always thought the way that she spoke of him and, and everything was really cool. And she was such an expert in that field. And I thought, man, like, I wish I was an expert, you know, at, mm-hmm. at something. Um, and so really just kind of took a leap of faith. I was already in my master's program for a master's of education and then took, you know, this leap and started driving down 74 to Fayetteville several <laughs> times a week. Um I would essentially go up and back on a Monday. I'd go like up on a Tuesday, stay overnight, come back on a Wednesday. I'd have Thursday off and then I'd go up and back on a Friday or something like that. And, and at this time, you don't have the kid yet? No, 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 no. no. Kids, yeah, right? nope, yeah. no kids, which I think was the only, so I think that helps. only saving grace. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I had a wonderfully supportive husband who wanted me to follow my dreams. And um, I remember the first day on that job just thinking like, this is it. Like I've just found... I don't know. This is just me. And I, I mean, I guess I've just always been a person that if if something doesn't, I mean, this is basic behavior, which is what I do now. But if it doesn't motivate you, you're not going to continue to do it. If it's yeah. it, So this is just something that motivated me. I put on blinders and I just said, this is what I'm going to do until, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it well until I figure out kind of another, you know, another plan. Um, and so went back to then get my master's or my my graduate certificate in behavior analysis which was the coursework that that okay. you have to have to sit for the national certifying exam to become a board certified behavior analyst. Um, so that's what I did. And then the company that I was with at the time was um, great and, and allowed us to kind of open up a satellite office here in Charlotte. Um, and so we brought were they based out of Fayetteville? Based out of Raleigh. But Raleigh, okay. at the time, and this gets into a little bit more about um, autism kind of insurance coverage and that, but at the time, TRICARE was the only major insurance funder mm-hmm. that funded applied behavior analysis for children with autism or for individuals with autism. Um, this is? This is 2000, like 10-ish. Okay. So like not long ago. Yeah. Um, now, most major insurance companies in with most major employers – have yes, something. yes, have it. Um, there are now medical. Why do you think that is? Is it because it's becoming more and more? Oh yeah, I mean, and statistics were just released the other day that have that have increased the prevalence from one in fifty nine to one in forty. Yeah, so one in so it's, forty. So it's kids. continuously getting yes. more popular, not popular, right. but more. The prevalence is increasing yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think that's part of it. I think the other part is that is that science has led us to figure out that, hey, this actually works. Like yeah. this is a this is a therapy, this is a treatment that actually um, treats the core deficits of autism. It treats the social deficits, the communication deficits, the behavioral deficits, um, and it works. And so it's it's funded um, incredibly frequently now, but it's, um, it's a long time coming for these families. And I think that, you know, we operate with the mentality, like we, we would want someone to do it for our family, you know, yeah. so we're gonna, we're gonna do it for others. Um, but, yeah, so 
worked in Charlotte for quite some time, um, passed my national certifying exam, um, became a BCBA, which, like I said, is a board certified behavior analyst. Um, those individuals, you know, are, are, are some of the professionals that um, that do applied behavior analysis or ABA therapy. Um, and yeah. So you mentioned earlier a dream, like a dream job or a career. What was the first career you ever dreamed of having? I think I kind of always wanted to be a teacher. Like okay. I don't, I, I don't remember. It's I don't remember as a kid being like I'm going to be an astronaut or you know. I mean, I, I think I always, yeah. um, I always liked teaching. You know, I yeah. I was involved. You know, just in church. You know, kind of doing like the nursery and church. You know, youth groups and tutoring. You know, all that kind of stuff. So I was just always involved with kids. Um, so yeah, I think I'm kind of that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Always wanted to be a teacher, and that's and you've you're doing that, but in different, yeah. uh, you know, stadium yes. per se. Yep. Uh, so you got to open the satellite office here in Charlotte. Yep. You didn't have to travel as much. Right. Insurance companies picked up mm-hmm. more of what you guys were doing, so you right. don't have to. So, all right. So I want to ask. So Tricare was the only one. So why Fayetteville? Was Fort it Bragg. Be- because of yeah, because of military, Fort Bragg. right? Okay. Here in Charlotte, we have um, a wonderful National Guard base, but obviously, it's it's incredibly small compared to the the Fort huge, Bragg, the yeah, city, base, of right? Fort Bragg. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um. So yeah, and then um, you worked here in Charlotte for a while, and then it just kind of felt a pull um to do something a little bit different, and just kind of stumbled a, a, a coworker and I just it happened to cross paths with this one day when we were both kind of at a crossroads, and um, I was pregnant with my daughter. So this was like, I mean, three and a half years ago at this point, um, was pregnant with my daughter and just thought, well, you know, there's never a good time to say, hey, I'm going to leave a great job and mm-hmm. and take a total leap of faith. But, um, <laughs> you know, there's never a good time to do it. And But I just felt like, you know, that was a good, a good enough time for, you know, for, for us. So. Do you like being your own boss? I do. But I mean, I have to, I mean, I, we, my, um, Tracy is mine is my business, business partner, partner, my yeah. work wife, my confidant, and we're 50-50 and everything. So we are our own bosses and each other's bosses. And it's, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. It, it's a it's a, it's a a privilege um, and I, I'm happy to have it. So starting your own company, and I, we'll, I want to get into that a little a bit later, just taking that leap of faith, but you have an established company in this field. Um, what doors has that opened up from... And, and I'm asking truly out of the fact that I don't know your, yeah. your world. Like, right. are you invited to different organizations or conferences or do you have this network now because you own your own company rather than just being one of an employee of a company that right. has it? So you as a business owner in that field, what does that look like outside of the day to day? I want to know, like, what are the outside things that come? And there might not be any, but I just want to know. Yeah, no, there are. I mean, I think... You know, because, I mean, the autism community um, it, here in Charlotte is a very tight knit one, and which which is a wonderful um, a wonderful thing for for the families um, that are affected by autism. But I think because of that, you know, when you do this, you know, there aren't there aren't many of us <laughs> at yeah. all, and so um, you know, how many you how many companies this, in North Carolina? Oh, in North Carolina, in, in North Carolina, I mean, I'd have to say twenty five plus. I mean, at least. 30. That's still not a lot. Yeah, no, not not a lot at all, considering that one in 40 kids yeah. is diagnosed with autism. State. And so, um, so 
there's not a lot of us. And so I think that, you know, you're just kind of known in general, you know, like it, when you're a BCBA in, in, in Charlotte, you know, it, it's just kind of one of those, one of those things you all kind of know each other somehow. Yeah. Um, but we do, we are invited to, to different places to speak on different things. I mean, nothing major, which is, which is kind of what we wanted. Like we just wanted to serve the families that, you know, we work with and serve them well and get involved as we can with different organizations, but, you know, at a rate that keeps our heads screwed on straight. Yeah. No, I'm, um, I'm just interested in it because I do see, and I know you obviously on a very personal level, but I do see you involved in um, fundraisers and yeah. things like that. So I didn't know what kind of doors get opened up when you own a business in that field or right. you're just a part of that field. Well, and it's a little bit of this paradigm of like, you're serving this community that is so um that that needs to be served but what you're serving is like something that can be incredibly devastating you know so it's mm-hmm. it's it's a little like people will ask us a lot like well how do you market and it's like we don't really you know like because it feels i mean it, it just feels a little weird sometimes being like let me help you with your really hard situation <laughs> um and so you know it's but that brings up a good question. You are a business owner. You have people right. that work for you. Yep. You have to provide because yep. you're basically helping them put food on their table. Absolutely. How do you get business in this field? Um, a lot of it for us in our particular company is word of mouth. So we're incredibly fortunate um, that, you know, we feel like we've we've worked hard. And, and the families that we work with are bar none. They are the most wonderful, gracious um, group. And... We serve about 20 families right now. Um, we take families on as we can. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't say, okay, we'll take on four and happen to hire someone. Like if we have availability, then we bring someone on. So it's been very slow and steady, um, which is which is exactly what both of us wanted. Um, when we first opened, you know, we, we try to build good relationships with different pediatricians, developmental peds, behavioral peds, um, neurology, you know, just kind of the, the different um, experts in this field as well and, mm-hmm. um, and have kind of gone from there. But, you know, because we're obviously not affiliated with, you know, hospital system, yeah. you know, or anything like that, we're an independent practice as all, you know, are. Um, yeah, it's a lot of it's word of mouth and, you know. How many people work for you? Um, so there's Tracy and I that are the owners and then we have five others that work for us so you're a seven person outfit yep um how can people get in touch with you that are listening i'll ask this do you service outside of charlotte we do um we we serve as far north you know as as denver um it it does have to be in north carolina so yeah denver north carolina denver north carolina not denver colorado (laughs) although sometimes people are like oh you went to you have to remember you have to remember ashley i'm international you are so so international yes Uh, you're international (laughs) hello new zealand when you hear denver people are going to be like oh colorado no denver north carolina Carolina. okay all right so all the way up to denver so you you try and stay within a 30 mile radius of charlotte i mean within you know within kind of that 485 loop and you know if we have families in Denver, then we'll serve, you know, several in that area, you know, so it's because we are home based, we don't have a clinic. So everything we do is, you know, in home in and school house. community. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Can you do you have to get a different certification to go into like South Carolina because of how close we are to the border? Well, it it's it's funny. How much time do you have for me to explain this? And no, I'm just kidding. But um, not we're a, only not 30 a, minutes. Yeah. <laughs> in, so you got another 30 minutes to talk. Not a different certification. Um, same certification, but in North Carolina, the practice of behavior analysis falls under the practice of psychology. So we mm. um, consult with um, licensed psychologists in the state of North Carolina. So because we fall under their state license, mm. we cannot 
we we cannot and choose not to practice in South Carolina. Oh, okay. Yeah, just to maintain that legality. There are things that are in the works that are um, kind of changing with that, which which is a good thing. So I think it would open up services. I was going to say, does that make it tough? Because if you know where Charlotte is, so my house, I am in Charlotte, and I literally am a mile from the border of South Carolina. Right. And Charlotte growing, you have so much of the population moving into South Carolina because it's cheaper to live in. And you still have the same amount of commute to get into where we live, where right. you live in Matthews to downtown. I mean, it's basically the same type of commute that you would have if you lived in our neighborhoods to those areas. So does oh, it, yeah. is, is it, so you say things are in the works to try and help alleviate some of that. Yeah. Um, and, and there's always, you know, there's, you know, a lot of backstory to it, a lot of legality. Could you of... open a satellite office in like Rock Hill or Fort Mill, South Carolina and still be complete ABA or would you have to be a different type of company? Um, I no, I don't know. I think okay. I think the short answer is, is the, no. short, the short and safe answer for me is, is, no. is, is no. Okay. Um, I'm just saying, is, I yeah. don't know. I no, don't know. It's, it's this a is a whole great, new world. It is a great question. Um, it's a great question. It's it's a question that we get asked a lot. And I mean, nothing is harder than when a family calls and either we can't serve them because they're in South Carolina or we don't accept their kind of insurance and everyone that does has wait list. I mean, that that is um, it's tough to tell a family, you know, that you can't can't help them at yeah, this time. Basically yeah, basically they're or that our waitlisters still, you know, whatever whatever the whatever the the reason is, it stinks to say. Oh, well, because you live a half mile. Do you so. want to stay the size you are or do you want to try and grow as much as you possibly can because of the fact that you want to help or are you yeah. content with being able to help the certain amount of people that you help today? Right. Um so part of our uh, business model and our mentality is to not grow um which okay. which is polar opposite of of most you know most people everybody else yeah most, yeah well and not and it's just um we wanted to serve families um personally serve them well and keep really close relationships with our families and staff and and that's not to say that in bigger companies you can't do that i think tracy and i just felt like we're just not good at that. You know, like we're just like, we feel like what we excel in is a smaller practice, because which isn't you, for everyone. Because you but... as owners still go house to house. Oh, yeah. So you're oh, yeah. still providing the... Yes, and we always will. The therapy. Yep. Whereas there might be owners out there say, you as the workers do it, I'll run the business. Right, which is totally which fine. Which is fine, yeah. right. But you, you, are, you other, and Tracy but... are still actually in yeah. the homes doing the therapy yourself. So they're getting still... Yep. Ashley and Tracy as yep. the owners, as well as the five additional. Yep. Um, Absolutely. What would you call them? Um, employees. Yeah, what em- they yeah be employees. Called? There's so we have another um, therapists. Another, yeah, therapists. There you go. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I want to yeah. know. Like, what would you call? What would you call somebody in the field? It's a therapist. Yeah. Okay. Essentially, um, right. there's another BCBA that works with us, and then there's um, we have four registered behavior technicians. Um, so in this world that you want to stay in, which is you know what you talked about your business model, when you get a phone call and it's potential, do you? You can touch the Sorry, pop filter. Like You're fine. Move the microphone. I've been no, moving it the whole time. Uh, <laughs> do you recommend other companies that they might be able to go to? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you just we don't d- leave them high and dry. No, we just want kids to get services. I mean, it's 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 not about um, it, it's not a competition. It's yeah. it's about serving these families um, that need it and and taking the time to talk to people that call you and say, hey, we just left this doctor's office. You know, my child just received this diagnosis what do i do um and it's about being able to give them maybe an ounce of a peace of mind when they have yeah. you know when they're faced with really difficult circumstances. is it 
outside of what you already talked about where somebody calls and their insurance doesn't cover it or they're outside of the area that you would service or, yeah. you know, certain circumstances, um, what's the most discouraging thing in your field? That's a great question. So, um, I'm I, filled with great questions. Actually. Yeah, you're filled with great questions. I crush great God, questions all day long. Yeah. Two cents worth podcast, mm-hmm. folks. Um, I think the most discouraging thing and again, this gets into like pretty field specific stuff is in our field, it can be very easy to to get into it with limited um, training. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think one of the most discouraging things is when they're when we are when when we get calls from families that say, you know, we've we've done this, but it, you know, kind of quote unquote didn't work or there was a lot of turnover or there was this or there was that, you know, and um, and, and that's the case anywhere. That's the case with anyone that's serving a vulnerable population. Um, so I think it can dis- get discouraging to feel like, you know, there um, there are families that aren't being served well. But I think we try to turn that around into we can't serve everyone. We're never going to be able to help everyone. But what can we do to serve these families incredibly well? Um, and so that's just something that, you know, it can be discouraging, but, you know, you can spend all day in your job, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Um, nitpicking on on the negatives and we try to just turn that around and focus on the positives which is actually a big part of what you know we literally do every day with our kiddos is working on behaviors that we're going to increase um you know whether it's working on functional communication training where we're trying to teach um you know our clients to use a more uh functional way to communicate instead of engaging in a problem behavior um but we also try to turn that around to our business model and you know what can we do to keep ourselves moving so that we continue to engage in, you know, ethical, moral, and, mm-hmm. you know, positive behaviors? Is it, can it be discouraging to go into a house to work with a kid that you work with? You might not be having a good day, but you know you have to kind of be on oh, for yeah. that kid. Oh, yeah. Like, is that, are those the worst days when you have, you let whatever's happening to you personally creep in, or you might just be having a bad day, or you dealt with a tough parent, and oh, then you go sure. into this next house, like... I would think knowing just having to go and like service one kid at a time and be in right. a different house, like having a bad day has probably got to be a super tough thing to do. Yeah. And I think um, it's hard to have a tough, it's hard to, to have a tough day. Um, it's hard to have a tough morning, like with my kids at home. Um, you know, I mean, I have two kids of my own. They're five and three. They're not perfect. I mean, I like to think they are, but you know, we still have very tough mornings. Um, it's hard to, to have that going on, to have any personal, you know, issues or just anything. Um, and then having to go into these houses and just say, okay, this is like literally what I do the next two hours directly impacts this child's future. Yeah. I mean, it's a I lot know. of weight And that's why to I carry. asked that because <laughs> it is. that would be, I think that would emotionally be draining. It is draining. And and I think for that reason, there is a lot of turnover in our field. Um, just like there's turnover in any field that works with, with kiddos with or, or adolescents or adults or anything with, with special needs. Um, it is a high turnover field. And so we try our best to support each other, to support our staff, you know, I think when you ask kind of what's changed even like uh, with me, you know, prior to marriage, post-marriage, I mean, that self-care and taking care of yourself first, especially yeah. in this field, is is very important. And we try to do that. I mean, Lord knows we're not perfect, but we try to do that with our staff. Um, the, the five girls that work with us are bar none, and there is no way we could do this without them. And, um, you know, we try to take care of them because they're spending a lot of their energy taking care of of our kiddos. So you just said it. So there's seven people that work for you. They're all female. 
you're in the industry. Mm-hmm. What what is because this is I I'm gonna I'm going to guess yeah that this is a very heavily dominated female industry. Yep, it is. Ninety ten, eighty twenty. You know, it's hard to say because I, because I feel like I this is a completely numbers, different but... thing than what you would see in most industries. Absolutely, it's a female dominated industry, yes. which is fine. I just it's yeah, it's it's just interesting because you're a female owned company. Yep, you have female. But your whole staff is female. Yes. Rough guess, 80-20? Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I mean, I haven't worked with, I personally have not worked with that many males in this field. That's not to say that they aren't there. Sure. I mean, but um North Carolina is a big state, though. And if yeah, they're not here, right, I can't right. imagine they're going to be, you know, prevalent anywhere else. Right. Um, and I don't, I mean, Matt and I were kind of talking like, I don't, you know, there's no real like reason for that other sure. than that, you know, it, it seems that women are more drawn towards fields of working with children for, for whatever reason. You, I mean, it, it not, is what it is. It's a motherly instinct. Right, it's, exactly. a, it's just this instinct of, um, in general. Uh, so I, I just find that interesting because yeah. most of fields are going to be male dominated right. or a 60, 40 or a 55, 45. Right. Like it, right. that's just in general how it is. Yeah. Um, so in this field, it is, it is mostly, female which is there's absolutely no issue with that so you're yep. you're a woman-owned company mm-hmm. um in this field it might not pertain so much because it is very popular but being a woman-owned company what is that like to have this and this is me from the outside a a, a basic title i'm doing air quotes of right you're a minority owned company yeah, right absolutely are there benefits to that in your field because I know a lot of times, so yeah. my previous life before of what I did now, I was in construction. And right. when you were in construction and you were a minority owned company, right. you got uh, more insight to a lot of government sure. jobs because they want the minority owned companies to have the opportunity to get the work. Right. Whereas, right. you know, the the white male dominated companies dominate industries. Right. So is it, it I don't think so in this industry. Yeah. But what is it? Is there any differences for you being a female-owned company, um, minority-owned company? Not, not that we've, not that we've run across. Now there, um, I think there is. Uh, there's always that drive being a female business owner, um, being a mom raising a daughter that you know feels feels pretty good, yeah. <laughs> to, you know, to be a, a woman business owner. Um, but I don't think like, I don't think there's any like benefit necessarily there's and, no outline there's yeah, no no like yeah. industry wise i don't think there, there's you don't a you don't get more clients because you're a woman owned no yeah. i don't think so um probably not although i mean it, it, it's interesting that you say that because um in my experience in this field you know we do get the question from families a lot like well do you hire males and it's like well yeah like we hire whoever was good I uh, mean, the correct answer yeah. is yes we'll hire anybody yeah, that anyone is that walks the in the right doors that is qualified qualifications yeah. for the job but at the end of the day like we just don't get a lot of male applicants i mean i can't really even think of that's okay many, the, you know the, the so team just, that it, i manage for my is. day job is i think 70 percent female and right. people ask me it, anytime I have a job opening, usually the top three candidates I get are always female. And I'm like, you can send me male candidates, right? I, but I will hire the best person for the job. Exactly. But like, yeah, kind of same thing. Yeah. All right. Um, I had a question. Oh, it, so, all right. You own the company. 
you've worked for somebody. Right. Would you ever go back to working for somebody or, or is the future for Ashley to always own a company? Um, I mean, Tracy, if you're listening, I'm just kidding. No, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, we have, if Tracy's yeah. listening. That's great. We need more people to listen. Yeah. So. Got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I don't, I, I mean, there's, there's no end in sight. You yeah. know, I don't, I don't think that, you know, either one of us ever could, I, I, I'll speak for myself. I couldn't imagine work, you know, working for, for somebody else, but that doesn't, but again, Tracy and I work for each other. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're in this together. Um, but Do in companies terms of get going, bought up. In this industry? All the time. We All get the time? we get phone calls probably once a month with okay. an offer. Um, which is just something we're not interested in. But um today. Yeah, ever. <laughs> um, ever. Ever. Good. Ever. See? Never. So again, no. I talk about the passion of nope. it, right? Like more people would say would say, Yeah, with the right offer, we'd think about it. You say yeah. never. No, absolutely not. Um, you say never, your husband just held up ten fingers for ten more years. Right, yeah. $10 million, $10, million. Right, $10 million, right. If some company's calling you for right. to buy right. your company right. for $10 million, take it, right. sit out for a couple years, go get your license in South Carolina. Mine is all a vacation home is what I'm doing <laughs> yeah. to the island. Okay, oh, $10 million. Yeah. All right, I thought you meant no. like in 10 more years, no, she's selling and not. she's retiring. That's right. also com- completely ridiculous. Are you but... retiring in this perfect world you retire doing oh, this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, perfect world, one of my lovely children and maybe one of Tracy's and children one day want to do this but no i'm just kidding um if that were the case my dad's still my dad's still holding on to hope that that maybe one of us will be a lawyer one day i think but um but i think that 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 one's well for the kids we got max you know yeah i was gonna say so but you come from a family that our business owners your dad owns his own law firm he does um yep so yeah a lot of my family members um own their own businesses so it's um it's cool. Yeah, it's it, we've I've definitely kind of been brought up with that um you know kind of philosophy, I guess. Um but no, I mean I don't think and I don't I don't think that it's uh, that it's a question of would I ever work for someone else. Like I don't see it like that. I just see it as would I work for somebody that had the same mindset that I do. You know that yeah. that has the same philosophy, that has the same business uh mentality. Mm-hmm. Um so but I just at this point, I mean I don't think that either one of us could ever imagine. All right. How long have you owned this company? Um, almost three years. How do people get in touch with you? You can go to our website, which, which is, is what, which is completeaba.com. Okay. Um, and yeah, we're always happy to answer questions. I mean, if there, if there is a parent out there listening with a kid. And you'll, you'll answer questions from people out of state. Absolutely. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah. We'll just refer. Them, yeah. We'll, we'll find you referrals. Yep. Good. The most important thing is that, you know. So in three years, what's the biggest lesson you've learned of owning a company? Oh, biggest lessons. Um, I think how to run a business. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think but <laughs> that's the number one lesson. Yeah, number one lesson is maybe, maybe we know what we're doing now. No, I'm just kidding. But um, we, you know, I think the biggest lessons are that your, your self care is most important. You know, you have to keep your head screwed on straight um, that you have to stick to your business model, mm-hmm. you know, and you, and it is, it is easy in this field to want to grow and want to grow quickly, but that's just not, what's always best um at least for especially like what you said with the stats becoming one in 59 and now one in 40 40 kids is do you get diagnosed with autism what is you get diagnosed with autism yep who gives you a diagnosis for autism um a medical provider yeah so a a licensed psychologist um a neurologist pediatrician or developmental peds um behavioral peds but typically typically a licensed psychologist okay yeah um so back to lessons learned um, yeah, I think, um, 
of owning your own company? Lessons of owning our own company is, I mean, this is kind of my saying for a lot of things is this too shall pass. So, you know, it, there's going to be moments where you, where you want to pull your hair out, but you know, it'll pass and, and you'll move on and you'll learn something from it. Um, next lesson I think that I've learned is you take a deep breath before you respond to something. And that's, you know, I think in general, you, you have to. What a great. Um... Probably something I've also learned since I was, you know, quite young, which you can probably attest to as well. <laughs> a, a great lesson for anybody out there in the business world. You yep. get an email yep. that might fire you up yep. or you want to respond to. Digest it for a second. Always. Don't respond Don't in the heated moment. Never. Because it backfires a lot. Always. And emails take tones that you might not have, Absolutely. but the way you typed it yeah. and wrote it out, it took a certain tone. Yeah. So that's, I think, in general, yeah, in general, regardless of owning your own business or not, that's a great yeah, piece of advice. That's just a good piece. Well, think about what you're saying before you actually say And it. Tracy and I call each other all the time and just say, hey, like, let's, like, I got this email or like this happened, you know, let's, let's figure this out before we respond. I mean, it's just, it's something that it's definitely taken me personally, you know, a long time to um, to kind of hone that skill. But I think it's one that you're always going to say things better if you have maybe just an extra second to think about it before yeah. you hit that send button. You're right. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, I think I think another lesson or, or a piece of advice, maybe, I don't know, or just something that I'm incredibly grateful for is um, truly having an incredibly supportive husband. Um, that's something that I, yeah, you over there, that I mean, that's that's just bar none. I mean, there's no way My that assistant. that yeah, your assistant. He wears many hats. Um, but but he's been paramount in this this adventure. And then also having um, also having a wonderful business partner. I mean, there's there's no way that that I could have done this or wanted to do it on my own. Um, so having Tracy, I mean, we're just each other's like other part of our brain. I mean, yeah. it's just it, it and we're I'm incredibly grateful for that. So I think for me that's been important things anything because we're going to get off this topic anything yeah. that you want to talk about still that we didn't touch on about your company or what you do um i i mean we we touched on a lot um and probably a lot more than i realized we would Hi, yeah Carson. um but i think it, i think something that's important is it's it's really never too late to really figure out what you want to do or or yeah. if you want to do something um th that that drives you and drives you to be you know to be better and that and that it's okay if that's not your career choice like it is okay if 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 what you do for a job every day is just a job like that's fine it's mm -hmm. okay if what someone else does for a job every day is their passion um both are incredibly important in this society not everyone's going to be passionate about what they do but that if if you are you know there's a lot of steps that um that can be you know can be uh, tumultuous to kind of get through before you, before you figure it out, but that it's, it's worth it for sure. So it's a rewarding job for you? Yes, absolutely. Life for you? Yes. Yeah, good. Couldn't do anything else. Couldn't do anything else. Good for you. So. You're one of the few, well, I tell you that. You know, it's funny. Those people say to me all the time, like, I could never do what you do. And it's like, yeah, but I couldn't do what you do. Yeah. You know, like I couldn't sit behind a desk. Like, that's just not me. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be good at it. Um, you know, I, I don't think I was exceptionally good at working for, you know, a larger company. Like, I think I'm, I'm better at, at this. And so, um, you know, what what other people say, like, oh, like, 
you know, and like we're we're no heroes because we happen to work with you know a, a special needs population. Um, it's just what we like, and it yeah. and it works for us. So, all right. So uh, outside of work, we're gonna finish up here with some. I'm gonna do some quick questions, and then we're gonna wrap it up with some just uh, personal stuff for you, Ashley. I told you to come in being vulnerable, I'm so ready. I got some tough questions for you. All right. Not kid related, not work related. Favorite hobby? Probably traveling. Traveling. Yep. What are you most grateful for today? Uh, balance in my life. What are you most afraid of? Hmm. Being spread too thin. So it kind of counteracts what I'm most grateful for. But yeah, having <laughs> not, not being able to keep my head screwed on straight. <laughs> okay. What's the one thing that people misunderstand about you? That's a good question. Um, probably, probably my directness. At times, I think that I I say what I think relatively often, which which I think is okay, and I think that, but I do think it's about how you make people feel. So perhaps perhaps that's something that's misunderstood about me. <laughs> What's something you say you're gonna do that you know you'll never do? Skydiving. I practiced that answer last night. Actually, I I would love to skydive, but I'm never jumping out of a plane. <laughs> it looks awesome. I would never do it. <laughs> people are like, it. oh, it's incredible. No, I'm yeah, alright. Listen, I saw a video of my dad doing it, and he looked like he was about to pass out or pee himself or something. So I don't really want to. Your dad did it? Oh, yeah. And the video is hilarious. This guy that works for me in Jacksonville did it. And he's like, it's the greatest thing ever. I'm like, don't. Uh, no, thank Listen, you. Listen, did you see the video of the hand glider and the, and the yeah, instructor? In Florida. For, yeah. Instructor forgot to strap her in. Like, no thanks. The guy I'm was good. like, it was in Florida <laughs> last last week. And the the guy who's hanging on is like, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Yeah. And they, they literally just like jumped off. Two minutes cliff. and 40 seconds. Yeah. And he was hanging the whole time. I'm like, I'm That's good. That's some good upper body strength. Yeah. Goes to the gym. <laughs> I'd need to get that guy on here right, to talk about right. his fitness. How'd you hold on for two hours and, or two <laughs> That's minutes and seconds? All right. So you mentioned travel is your favorite hobby. Yep. I'm going to wrap it up with some of these questions. I want to know what is your, what is the best restaurant, not your favorite, the best restaurant you've ever eaten at? So this takes it to a little bit of a different direction, but best restaurant is um, a restaurant that no longer exists, um, but it's it's Busby's um, in St. Martin. So we um, are are blessed enough to go to the island of St. Martin very frequently. My dad and some others have a house down there. Um, so we've I've kind of grown up, you know, getting to go to this great place since since college and um <laughs> is that where that is that what the place no that's oh, not no, no, the no. place i was gonna say yeah. i've been to st martin with them i got super drunk and we had to go home because i was at like, yelling at like incoherently six, at like six, six o'clock in the yeah. Yeah. i drank a whole bottle of rum yep. right when we got off the plane I was so annihilated, I mean, and I was yelling because yeah. half the island's Dutch and the other half is French. French. I'm yelling, "Hamburger, give me a hamburger!" Which, which in case y'all cannot pick up, is supposed to be his French accent. Yeah, that's my French accent. <laughs> to which then Mark, her dad, was like, "So we need check, to go please. home." Check please. Yeah. And he I woke up at five check. o'clock in the morning and didn't remember what happened. No, he felt great too. Yeah, it felt great. I was the first one up. I was like, "This is great. What happened?" And he's like, "We missed dinner because of you, you <laughs> asshole." That's uh, one of the finer moments, but. Um, St. Martin is very near and dear to our hearts and obviously was hit by Hurricane Irma in um, 2017, yep, uh, September September of 17. Um, so our favorite place, place that, you know, I've been to uh, pregnant with both my kids or maybe not with Hallie, but with Cole, um, have so many memories there um, is was completely wiped away. And so it's um, some of the best food that I've ever had, but just the the memories and the the treasures that we've gotten from 
from Busby's and all the people who work there. Um, it's it's just are the owners going to open a different restaurant? No, it's it's for sale. It's so done? yep. So the, the say what? Oh yeah, my picture was up in the bar. Like oh, it, so yeah, it was fa- famous. You're famous. One hundred percent. You're yeah. famous in the Charlotte Airport as well. Uh, oh yeah. So <laughs> so and Steve. So Steve's still yeah. here from when we recorded Did earlier. You know that? Um, yeah. If you travel in the Charlotte Airport, people. Uh, there are posters all around. So my wife used to work for um, Visit Charlotte yep. and they had a photo shoot and Lindsay had to round up some people to do this photo shoot and Ashley and and another one of our friends, uh, Addie and some other people went to this photo shoot. And so if you go to the airport, there is pictures of Ashley all over the airport. So every time I travel, I, I usually text her. I'm like, you cannot come with me. Stop following so me hard. to this airport. And yep. she, yeah, she's there and... Um, it's all around, you know, things to do in Charlotte when you land and there's yeah. pictures of them at the epicenter. My smiling and, yep, face. She's there. So, yep. so you're famous in St. Martin. Well, you were famous I in St. Martin. I was, I know. I don't know what happened um, with the picture, but. So they're not going to open it for sale. Okay. No, the owner owned a bunch of property down there and it's all, it's all for sale. But I mean, we, we've been in touch with, you know, our friends that work there, mm-hmm. you know, they're either, um, working construction other places to, you know, help rebuild. Um, they have jobs other places if you went to different neighboring islands for a while, but, um, our friends there are, are and okay, you guys have is... been back since the hurricane, right? I know yes. your dad has. We have. Yep. You guys have, have to. Yep. You and we Matt and the kids yes. too, right? Yep. We and what's the it kids. like? Is oh. it? Does it look like a war zone? It did. Yeah. Um, we so the hurricane was September of seventeen. We went back uh, March April of eighteen. Yeah. And the devastation year. still is just. I, it, it's going to be years. It, right? it, like if it the, was, people don't know yeah. what happened to those islands, they basically got wiped out completely. There was like, there. Yes. Like um, the U.S. Virgin Isles, they had like a satellite view of them. And before the hurricane, it was green. And after the hurricane, it was brown. They said people that lived there said literally there was no leaves left on the trees. No, it, yeah. it is unlike anything. Yeah. I mean, it 200 mile an hour sustained wind, which is which is far more than anything, you know, that that that's typical. Um I mean, it broke the barometer on St. Bart's. Like, it literally broke the weather station. Like, the wind couldn't sustain it. So, um, the stories that we heard when we were down there, I mean, people say, like, we we didn't think we we were going to see the next day. Um, I mean, every single person we talked to had stories of they're literally holding the doors on their house, like, with their bare hands. I mean, because everything else is blown out. They're trying to protect their loved ones. But yet every person is like, but we're okay. We have hope. We're here today. And it's it's just polar opposite than what you would have expected. And so we went down, you know, six months later, essentially, and restaurants are reopening. Yeah. Stores are reopening. I mean, it's not at all the same, but the resilience and and the mentality is just Well, you amazing. mentioned the resilience. They have to. You yeah, have they have no choice. That's their main source of income is yeah. tourism. Right. So you need people the to come to The quicker they island. get up and the running. The quicker they get up and running, the more money that goes back in that. Because yeah. though the Dutch and the French own that, it's still an oh, island in so the Caribbean. Different. Yeah. So money <laughs> is not going to flow into it unless no. people are going to it. Right. Yeah. Yep. All right. So favorite place to travel to? I think we just, I don't even know why I asked that question. We've been to a lot of other great places. I mean, and I love, it's hard to compare like Edinburgh and and places, uh, like I I love Scotland, but um, St. Martin's just my favorite for so many reasons. Yeah. 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 We went to Turks in July. It was awesome. Your husband's a big fan of the Caribbean. Yes. In general. Yep. We both love it. Yep. He likes the beach. It's our jam. All right. um, I have to, hold on. I have to grab my beer. Oh, God. Yeah. See, and you're yeah, drinking. A- this, I just love the sound that this makes. Island is ready. 
It sounds great. It really does. <laughs> it just sounds fantastic. It does. All right, what's your favorite beer? Because I know you drink beer. I do drink beer. You're not beer. drinking on this podcast today, which is no, highly I'm not. disappointing. I know. I've I've been But if you don't feel good, that's fine. Yeah, I've I, well, yeah, I've been sick on and off all week and All right, but what's yeah. your favorite beer? Um favorite beer. I mean, I I love It doesn't have to be Charlotte. I want favorite beer. No, but I I but I love local. I mean, I got to say Karib because it's St. Martin beer. Okay. Turks Head Lager was also kind of delicious when we were in Turks and, and Caicos uh, over the summer. But, I mean, I do. I love Captain Jack. Um, Captain Jack is, again. Yeah, it's people, a Charlotte beer. Listen, I'm telling you, you too? if yeah. you're listening from Old Mac, you need to get somebody that works there on this podcast. We need to. We need Hashtag to, Old Mac. Again, I am not bringing people on here and they are forced to say Old Mac. I'm no. asking a very open question, and yet everybody continues it's, to talk about Old Mac. One, it's our brewery. favorite brewery, too, because, I mean, it, it's kid. Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't kill one of his question. questions. We just it's, we're gonna the second part of the question is what's your favorite brewery? Yeah, Old Mac. I mean, mostly because it's kid friendly. I mean, when you're a parent, and 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 I think for Matt and I, like working parents, that we don't necessarily. I mean, yes, like we want time away from our kids but we also want to be able to go places with our kids and with our friends on the weekends and old mac's easy not that that the others aren't but old mac with just the land that they have that property yeah oh it's great it's just it is convenient because i think all of them are kid friendly per se like kids can come but it's not there's there's no yeah i mean you got a fenced off area that has grass and right it's just somewhere to go we also love going to downtown matthews and going to temple mojo or seaboard i mean it's um, seaboard's cool i like seaboard Seaboard is cool Mojo's great too it's it's a beer temple so have you had the pizza out of that little shack yes it's the best we get it every time so i saw a picture of that the other day and i was like that looks fucking great it's delicious yeah, is it pizza good? exchange. Pizza, um, pizza, pizza exchange, and it's a little hut. Yeah, like literally. a little shed. And they just bring it right to your table. And it's brick oven pizza, it looks yeah. like. Yeah. We go looks, down there we, with the kids. On. Downtown Matthews is happening now. Yeah, it's awesome. So, yeah, we yeah. go to Mojo often. Well, and it's great at Mojo, too, because I just say, I want something light. Bring me what you have. So, every time it's like I have something different. And I love a lot of those. Yeah. I couldn't tell you the name of a lot of them. That's yeah, fine. But it's fun. All right. You're the interviewee. What questions do you have for me? Why'd you start a podcast? I think I talked about it earlier. I needed some type of creative outlet to uh, balance what goes on in my life. Right? Why not a blog? This is more fun. I get to talk. Right? Right? Like I get to have friends and people that might not think that they have a good story to come in and have a conversation with me and open up. And I talked to you about it uh, before you came on. I said the best advice that I have for you is to come in, have fun, and be vulnerable. Yeah. Because if you're shut down and concerned about questions that are going to be asked, then you shouldn't come onto a podcast. Like, I I sit in here on a Friday morning before anybody else gets up in, in the morning, and I sit here and talk out loud by myself for an hour about the shit that's going on in my life. Right. And it's pretty freeing. And I don't care what it's people nice. hear. You know, I'm cursing on here. I'm talking about my wife's butt. Uh, yeah, you know, taking pictures that. of that and... <laughs> thanking her parents for it and and whatnot but this is my life and i think it's interesting and the best advice that i got when i i sought out to start a podcast was there are so many people out there that just want to listen to somebody yeah and if i inspire one person or i impact somebody or i make somebody laugh that i don't know or i i do know then that makes me feel good because yep my life to me might not be entertaining but when i start talking about it there's sometimes where I'm like, this is a fucking shit show. Yeah. And uh, it's f- kind of funny. 
especially being a dad and everything. So that's why I started a podcast. So fun. I needed something to do outside of work. So then what's the biggest thing that's changed for you since you've been married, pre-marriage, post-marriage? Uh, biggest thing for me since being married. So I talked about it. And when this airs, you'll, Lindsay will have already been on and we talk about our marriage and getting uh, engaged two weeks out of college. Um, you know, I the biggest thing is the maturity aspect. Yep. Right? Like Hands down. At 23 years old. I had a another person that was Relying that I promised yep. that I promised would be in my life forever. Yep. Um, do you get the question a lot? Like, man, y'all were so young. Like, what were you? You just do you get? I I feel like we get ragged on for that a little bit. Like, y'all when were I, so when young. I tell people that I've been married eleven years, a lot of the response is, "Well, how old are you?" Right. And usually, it's they're expecting me to say like I'm thirty eight, thirty nine. Right. And I say I'm thirty four, and they're like. You got married at 23. I'm like, yeah, right. I got married at 23. I think here in the South, it's not as bad. Right. But like when I go up to New York for work and I talk about that, they're like people in their, their late 30s are like, I'm just thinking about getting married now. Right. Like it's just it's just a different way of life here. But um, I consider it like one of my greatest blessings that Matt and I have gotten to grow up together. And I'm sure you feel the same way that like we were these immature college kids that, you know, by happen, you know, just it, it worked out that we, you know. Yeah. balanced it through college and balanced it after and you know it was something that you know obviously we wanted to do but I mean I'm sure you feel the same way like you feel lucky to have grown up with Lindsay oh yeah past. I mean I couldn't have done yeah. it without her right right but like for me it was the maturity aspect of it like right you're 23 you can still be you can still live your 20s but you're living it as a married person not as a single person so that that changes a lot of your um, mentality around how you interact as a person right I mean, I think safe to say it's not because we got married that we happen to be incredibly mature people. <laughs> I think that took quite some time. It takes time. For all of us. I'm the youngest of four. I was I was forced into a lot of, uh, I think, at times having to become more mature for my age than I maybe should be. Right. Because of the fact that my brothers are 13 and 11 years older than me. Right. And for them to be able to relate to me, I had to try and act as they were because you you put a person like my brother my oldest brother is going to turn um that's Todd's 13 years older than me so he's 47 48 and I'm 34 so he goes off to college and I'm in first grade like he leaves he leaves to go to college and I'm a child yeah to where now we're both grown-ups and so like the thing that I've always had to do in my life is just be try and be more mature just to be able to relate to the people that are closest to me. Right. Yeah. So same thing for marriage. Yep. You're forced to mature. Yep. Forced right. to make it work. Anything else? No. Thanks for having me on. Again, you can go to her website, completeaba.com. And anything else that you need to, this is your time to plug. No, I'm just, this has been fun. It's fun to talk about, uh, you know, your work and, and for me, what I'm passionate about, but yeah. you know, kind of how it impacts my life. So I think it's, it's been great. Any advice for parents that might be on the fence of whether their kid is autistic or not? Yeah, ask questions. Because I think it's scary for parents. It's it's terrifying. But um, whether we call it autism, whether we call it something else, if you're if you have concerns, your concerns aren't going to go away, whether you call it something or not. So I think um, early intervention is key. That's what all studies show. That's what that's what everything tells us is the earlier that you intervene. Um, you know, the, the, the less the deficits will be. Um, so yeah, be, be vocal with your pediatrician, be vocal with, um, 
support groups in your community um, and, and, you know, check it out and follow your gut for sure. Do you think there's any reason why there's a rise in occurrences? There's certainly a reason, but I, I don't have, um, I don't really have an opinion necessarily. Nobody on, really knows, on, right? Yeah. I don't really have an opinion on why there is an increase. Um, I have a lot of thoughts on what does not cause autism, yeah. but that's probably for another day. But, yeah, no, um, but yeah, no, but I think, you know, there is an increase. And I think uh, the other thing that, that I would love to encourage is, is for everyone to remember that you never know what someone else is going through, yeah. um, to be inclusive, to be kind, um, that what you say and how you treat others does matter. And so when you're next to a parent at the park and their kids screaming, you know, let's not assume that the kid's just being a brat, you know, you never know what's going on. So, um, think be inclusive and be kind ask questions yep there's plenty of people out there to help always yep is that all you got that's all i got you did great thanks thank you very much thanks for having me thank you everybody bye